Welcome to the podcast of the Sunday Celebration Service for the Center of Spiritual Living in Huntsville, Alabama. We hope you feel the grace, the beauty, and the love of our community as you hear the message of the week. Sufi tradition, they make it so painfully simple that it's deeply profound in its simplicity when they say it's all about remembering and forgetting. When I remember who I am, I am you. I am everything. And when I forget who I am, I am me, the person who has hmm, all kinds of chapters and verses. And when that dissolves through grace, through surrender, through trust. You hear Emerson, who said, be and not seem. Be who you are, not who you would appear to be. He said, let us acquiesce by getting our bloated nothingness out of the way. And when we do, we connect with the divine circuits. So the invitation by ringing a bell is to connect through the conscious breath, those divine circuits that don't get louder, but get clearer when we stop identifying with ourselves as other. And then we smile. Because the way under the way is the breath within the breath, is the light within the darkness is the peace within the chaos. And this Sunday, we're going to explore a very simple question that's so profound in its implications. The question is, what holds us? I hear a Jack Fowler song that says, we are held in the hands of grace, forever safe in the arms of love. Like a child who needs protection from a mother's warm embrace, we are held in the hands of grace. So we stay in the question, what holds us? Huh. And we listen with our heart. And then we seek to remember This loving presence has always been holding us. The time we emerged until the time we shift into light again. I was so privileged to assist a radiant soul in her transition through prayer this week by simply holding the space open for the soul to step out of the identity of me into the reality of we and all. And I called forth the angels and the ancestors to assist. Mm. John of God in South America, he leads transformational meditation retreats. 
And he said, we all have angels and guides, all of us, and they're waiting for us to ask them for their assistance. And so in that Wednesday night satsang, I said, okay, I'm going to call upon you guys. I know you're out there. Assist me in assuming the consciousness that's required huh? for light to return to light, for love to return to the one love, and for the one life to embrace itself in all of its many diverse forms. Uh, when you're ready to explore this idea of what holds us, I invite you to enter into this space with me. My beloved Jody sent me a, a cartoon yesterday and it was, I've watched it maybe 20 times since she sent it. There's no, there's no sound, but it shows a little person walking out and his hands are all black and the rest of him is white. And you can see that he's troubled and he sees someone standing there and the legs are all black and this person seems sad. So the first person puts their arms around the second person and in a way takes the darkness from the first person into them. So now their legs are black and their arms are black. And then he's proceeding to walk down the path of life and he sees someone standing on a bridge and they're ready to jump and they're filled with all this black energy. And the one who's half black reaches up to the other one and their black arms touch one another. And the next thing you know, the one on the bridge leaps down, throws his arms around the other one. And in that embrace, all the darkness that was on the one on the bridge went away and he was left in this beautiful white place of freedom. And so then a friend apparently comes running over and the one in the white space hugs the other one in the white space and they're happy together. And in the meantime, our original star of the show is completely drained and black and he drags himself home. Anastasia will love this. And he opens the door and the dog comes bolting out and puts his head to the dark face and starts licking him. And all of a sudden, all the darkness, all the pain fell away. And there was a little white puppy dog and a little white person once again restored to harmony and balance. And in that little cartoon, it shows me what divine love can do. We can get so down and we think that we take on all the suffering of the planet. And it just takes one moment of divine love to have us shift and to know what's holding us. Uh, I've been inspired by this wonderful book called A New Republic of the Heart. And we just finished our, our Valentine week month on love. And it, it all culminated in moving into the wisdom of the heart because the heart knows oneness and moving out of the head who wants to be duplicitous and think my way, your way. And in, in this beautiful New Republic of the Heart is the ethos of revolutionaries. And he said, there's an imperative right now on the planet that the heart of humanity awaken because the suffering is everywhere on the planet. You just have to turn the news on and you can hear it. My beloved husband last night said he wanted to find something inspiring for my Sunday service. So he went on HBO Max and he found a movie called, um, a documentary called, oh, what was it called? Oh, oh. I wrote it down here on the paper. Oh. All that breathes, all that breathes. And it's a true story, documentary, up for an Academy Award from India, these two little Indian men. And you see them being delivered these enormous boxes, cardboard boxes, one, two, three, four. And then in the documentary, the boxes start moving. 
and the two little men are looking at each other and they go to the box and they open it and in the box is a wounded bird. It's called a kite, K-I-T-E. They're like the vultures of India. And they say these non-vegetarian birds are dying, they're suffering, they're going extinct. And they're the ones that eat the carrion, that eat the, the dead on the side of the road. They're the vultures, if you will, of India, and they're going extinct. So these two men are taking these birds out of these boxes and they're repairing their wings and they're helping them stand again and they're, they're tending to their needs because they felt a call in their heart, in their soul, to serve something seemingly lesser but equally important. So he talks about the need on the planet. He said, this invitation is arriving in the hearts of millions of people all over the world, this revolution of the heart. And he said, it expresses a new patriotism. It expresses a civic responsibility to bring into being a new republic of the heart. Trey said to me at breakfast this morning, it looks to me like the politics are going after the trans community. And he said, I thought we were through with this anti-gay thing. And he says, I guess it's still here on the planet. And I said, well, I guess, honey, there's more work for us to do to stand up for the rights of all people. A new republic of the heart is already coming into being and it is happening in my heart mind and it's happening in yours as well. So through our committed activism and in the hearts and minds and the hands and the feet of hundreds of thousands and millions of others, we will make a difference because we're the ones we've been waiting for. You know, they had the year anniversary of the beautiful uh, fight in Ukraine for that country's freedom. And you saw what patriotism looked like. You saw what commitment looks like. You saw people who were on fire with freedom and their right to exist on this planet. He goes to say, you will arrive in the dawning awareness that at a deep level, you are already growing in loyalty to an emergent new republic of the heart. I watched this documentary on Costa Rica, thinking a place I thought maybe I'll eventually go to because it's so civilized, until I saw that in Costa Rica that they're tearing down all the rainforest to build banana plantations and the birds in Costa Rica are starting to go extinct, the really beautiful ones that we all so admire. And then a, a, a group of people within the country said, we're going to start restoring our forests, enough with the banana plantations. We want our, our natural environment to be sustained. Paradoxically, it's also that it needs us to bring it into being. We have a role here. And this is our current politics may become unnecessary. But in the meantime, this great undertaking asks everything of us, a whole life of practice and growth and friendship and service in a creative activity. So what's your contribution going to be to the world? We all get to ask ourselves to create a space where we can meet <clears throat> in our true nature, where we can support one another as we evolve and grow, where everyone is considered important on this journey and no one is excluded. My Sufi teacher, Llewellyn Von Lee, he switched from being a Sufi to being an environmental activist. And his latest book is called Spiritual Ecology, where he's speaking about the cry of the planet. He calls it the soul of the planet, Anamamundi, the soul of the world. And he said, we're so much concerned about our soul waking up. But he said, with our soul waking up, the soul of the world is also waking up. And there's an imperative that we listen to the soul of the world. He would say, it's not about you anymore. It's never been about you. It's about the love. And it's about the interconnectedness of all of this with our own self. So let me just give you a tiny taste of this incredible book 
this one essay after another from some of the leading thinkers and hearts on the planet, how we can participate in saving our world. He says, by soul, I mean the thing, the ultimate place within the world. And he said, our soul is waking up, but so is the soul of the world waking up. In that beautiful book called The Story of Gaia, this Oxford PhD said, not only is Gaia waking up, this, this intelligent universe, but, but the sentience of her is waking up within us. So could we, could we put on our oneness hat for just a little bit and begin to see things from that place of connection? He says, the world cannot be fully itself until you become fully yourself. So who are you being? Are you being me, the person that's separate? Or are you being truth itself flowering within seemingly other, but it's really you are the one life, the beloved, and it's using you to bring its light and its love to the world. It's always been that way. That's the truth. So he goes on. You can't know the soul of the world until you know your own soul. Your soul is a part of the soul of the world. So how we live our lives has a direct effect on the anima mundi. So when Nancy walks out and she sees the beauty in the skies and in the trees, she's conferring an acknowledgement and a gratitude. And you know, that's so powerful as a spiritual practice in all things to give thanks because you're really conferring, I see you. I see the divinity of you. And when we're seeing, we're calling it forth. To see the good in another truly is to call it forth. To see the sacred in another is to call it forth. So he's going on to give us this experience. The world needs us to recognize its sacredness and to discover and inhabit our sacred role in this evolutionary unfolding. Now, isn't there just enough of a question there, Lee, for you? You've got to experience your evolutionary unfolding. David can't give it to you, but David can get up here on Sunday mornings and set himself on fire with the same fire that ignited all the other crazy ones that said, oh my God, unless this spark becomes a fire and ultimately a bonfire of love, it's not going to do what it needs to do in the world. So could you offer yourself on the bonfire of divine love? Yes, use this life. Let me sing for you, beloved. So he goes on to say, it takes a mature ego to find and comprehend this simple but necessary truth. In con contemporary Western societies, most people, he says, never find it. Most people, now that's a little pessimistic, it isn't it, Adam? Most people never find that they are the one life that you've been looking for. Ernest Holmes in The Science of Mind says, the thing you're looking for, you're looking with. And so you mean to tell me we've been running around looking for our true nature as the one life? Yeah, that's it. You've been running around looking for you and you're already there. Whoa, isn't that kind of special? He goes on to say a little tiny bit more in this last little circle. The first time you consciously inhabit your ultimate place and act from your soul is the first time that you can say, hear and really know what it means to be here. You've arrived at last at your own center. <laughs> and as long as you stay here with a capital H, everywhere you go, geographically or socially, feels like home. And every place ultimately then becomes home because you have arrived. You are the home that you've been seeking seemingly outside yourself. When I did my prayer today with my prayer partner, I started the prayer and he ended the prayer. And I remember he ended the prayer by saying, and we put so much of our good out there in the world where we seek it in form when really 
the good that we're seeking is within us. And when you find the wholeness within you, you're going to see wholeness in your world. When you find the peace within you, you're going to see peace in your world. Even if your semi is on the side of an interstate, you're going to live in peace. It's not conditional to what the machine does. So it's all an inside job. And what's holding is this divine love. What's holding is the peace that passes all understanding. And it's what you are. Thank you, Llewellyn Van Lee. The subtitle of the book, it's a hard read. It's called The Cry of the Earth. The cry of the earth. Are you going to hear the cry of the earth? You know, are you going to be willing to not turn off? I had to turn off the documentary, by the way, on all that breathes, because tears were coming down my eyes when I saw the birds that were coming out of the boxes. And I said, this isn't inspiring. This is taking me down into the dark right now. And I haven't found the light at the end of the tunnel. So I'm just going to have to know that this is a call for us all to participate in some kind of a way in the world. I want a simpler way. And so for that, I pulled out Richard Rohr wrote a little book called Just Us, and he talks about living the life of a contemplative, living a life of mindful awareness. And in mindful awareness, all you relate to is the present moment and bringing the highest sense of you to that present moment. So listen to this beautiful, wise soul who said, stay awake. And he says, staying awake comes not from willpower, but from a wholehearted surrender to the moment just as the moment is. You know, we had winds in five points and Trey's been on this uh, mission to save the trees, especially the old trees. And right down the block from us, an enormous tree was uprooted and fell horizontally. And if it had fallen vertically, it would have crushed the house on the person living there. But because it was uprooted and fell horizontally, no one was hurt. And so I saw all the neighbors coming out and tending this thing with love, even though it seemingly was a scary thing. It was an opportunity for love to flower, to meet life on life's terms. So we had a downdraft and when trees fell over, we could flee Alabama. Well, then you go to Minnesota and the trees fall over there too, Adam. So wherever you go, there you are. Anyway, you accept the moment as it is. And he says, it is an acceptance of the full reality of what is right here and now and will be our task our whole lifetime. You're never going to escape the moment, Miss Michelle. I remember when she walked in here many, many years ago and she had a little cloud over her head. I think something had gone wrong and I just put my arms around her and now I'm seeing this beautiful Sadie, Sadie married lady who's come out the other end, a glowing person. But had I not put my arms around that little shadow self that I saw walking in maybe 30 years ago, was it 20 years ago? It was here. Yeah, she's raised, yeah. That's what we get to do. We get to be there in the moment when the person walks in your life. So you cannot be there. You cannot get there by any method of whatsoever. You can only be here. <laughs> There's no place to get. I saw in my Zen calendar, Marilyn Ferguson, she said a beautiful quote. She said, transformation is an eternal process that has no finite destination. So we're all in this vortex of transformation. And if you've been on the planet as long as I have, and you've had as many sadgurus as I have, you realize that they're all pointing to the same place. And that place was always there. And yes, you can look out to the teacher and to the teacher and to the teacher. But as my teacher Llewellyn said, if the teacher doesn't take the self to the self, it's not worth anything. So they're taking us to this true nature. And then we get to meet the moment, hopefully, as the Isha Foundation suggests, you meet the stuff of life in a mindful way. You're in the balcony. 
You can see there's a lot of trouble going on out there. Am I going to take the trouble on as my trouble, or am I going to invite them to lift their consciousness a little higher? The purest form of spirituality, this is Richard Rohr, a Franciscan monk, the purest form of spirituality is to find God in what is right in front of you in this sacred moment. There is no spot where God is not. He says, the ability to accept what the French Jesuit and mystic Jean-Pierre de Cousade in 1675 said, he called it the sacrament of the present moment. The sacrament of the present moment. Well, I think that's kind of sweet, don't you, Miss Emily? All you have is the moment. You get to put your arms around Bert, and then Bert takes all the darkness out of you and sets you free. I mean, it just takes one moment from a teddy bear, and you're free. It takes one moment from a friend hugging you, and you're free. It takes one moment of putting down your story, and you're free of the story. Now, you can always go and pick it up again, and then you can justify all your your pain and your or, or not. You know, there comes a time when you get tired of, of the narrative of the me person. I want to show you a face of an individual. His name is Chief Robert Joseph. This is the book that my prayer partner sent to me from Canada. It won the best book of the year on this documentary called Canada Reads. Canadians want to stay informed and they want to meet their shadow. And so all the contestants that were on this Canada Reads were dealing with some issue in the country that is troubling their hearts, whether it's immigration, children being dropped at the border and coming in, whether it's the indigenous people who were taken into these uh, schools where they were trying to beat the Indian out of them and in a way have them assist in their own suicide as a community. And so he was the product of one of these and he reached rock bottom when he left the school and he was an alcoholic, he was married, his life was going to hell and the book starts off with the vision that changed his life. Something awoke in him that changed his life and he never drank again. And I'll just give you the tiny moment when that thing awoke. He said, I have never ever taken a drink since then. Oh, that's the beginning. He, okay, I'm jumping a little ahead here. Okay, I was six years old when they dropped me off at the St. Michael's. Like many children, too young to understand and cope with what I was about to experience. I happened to be a victim of all forms of abuse that took place there. Two decades after that, I graduated from school. The same memories would return again and again as if I was on a PTSD loop. And my tendency was to drink and everything on the surface was going well. My job, the house, the family on the surface. But within me, I was in torment. He was suffering. And so he said, I had been destined to be a broken human with no hope. In that millisecond, when I heard a voice within me, it told me that I was loved. He heard a voice that says, you're loved. I hear Llewellyn, if you only knew how much you are loved. So in his moment of reaching bottom, I guess it's called, isn't it, Gene? He hit the bottom. He heard this voice saying, you are loved. He said, I realized that I had given way to all the hate and all the cruelty and all the whole harm of that residential environment that I had descended into a deep sort of darkness that I couldn't get out of. But then I heard the voice that said, you are loved. So he starts the book with, then he, the next sentence is, I was loved. Mm. Whether this was a vision or this was a message from the creator herself, all I knew was that I heard this thing in my heart that turned my life around. And so he says this, even for people like me, 
who had descended into the deepest darkness, I suddenly knew that we could rise above the darkness and bring light to ourselves, and we could also bring it to others. So he wrote the book to say, you're not doomed, that there is hope. And he says, deep in the recesses of my mind, I accepted that even though I was extremely broken and ravaged by racism and personal denigration, this vision came to me, the courage and the momentum that I needed. This vision became ingrained in my deep unconscious mind. And the word nam way yat is from his indigenous tribe, which means basically namaste, which means we are all one. And so when he says nam yam wat, it's basically saying we're all one. And so his healing came through having communion with the ancestors. It was like Rachel. He called forth the ancestors within him and the indigenous people, the trees, the great spirit, the mystery all around healed him. And so he spent then his devoted his life to service. I have never had a drink again, he says. So here's what happened afterwards. There was so much despair among so many people and so much hopelessness that after this vision had come to be the very heart of my deep consciousness. And I knew that in spite of what I had done to myself, that I was part of all of this and that I was loved. And if I remember those words, then I have value and then I have purpose to just remember. And then to offer that to all those who are equally suffering within his community. He said, if I remember, there's that word remember again. If I remember the vision, then I belong. I belong to the world. I belong to nature. I belong to my tribe. I belong to the human species. And I'm loved and I am connected to everyone and I'm connected to everything. Well, that's how he starts off, Miss Joey. He's connected to everything. And he had to go through this darkness, through this abuse. His child had to be bludgeoned in order that he could embrace his child and to find that that was the way transformation takes place. So thank you. And we're seeing this evidence in the world. Isn't that nice to know? And you know what I love about Canada? And I think it's happening in our country as well. They recognize that reconciliation of those abuses in their country can only happen when the truth is spoken. That's why they say it's truth and reconciliation. So when we can meet the shadow, when we can meet the aberrant behavior within our own culture, well, then we have the potential to set ourselves free of it. You know, I was talking to Gigi and Raul and we were talking about, they used to have lynchings in the South. I heard about them, but I, and so I said to them, I said, when was the last lynching? And when do you think the last lynching was here in the South? 1981 that it was still acceptable. I know. Now, we have a past that we need to make amends. They had the lynching museum, I guess, in Montgomery, Alabama. And here's how I found out about it. I was walking my dogs up in Maine, and I'm on the path with Bert and Speck at the time, and my sister-in-law, Lynn, said, I want you to meet so-and-so. He, he creates museums, and he just created a museum in your state of Alabama called the Lynching Museum in Montgomery, and how he told how they wanted to bring this awareness of who we were to consciousness so that we're never doomed to repeat that again. He was gonna create another museum in uh, Birmingham for what we know, the racial situation that happened there. We have the Holocaust Museum in Washington, DC, so that the mantra is never again, will we be so blind that we allow another species to experience this? This is spiritual activism at its very best, to stand up for what is good, for what is right in each other. And you know, um, 
that's why I, I love Emerson so much because his whole life was devoted to saying principle is not bound by precedent. The precedent was slavery. The principle is freedom. So could we have human rights trump property rights? And he dared to speak that. He also spoke for women's rights. He says they're not supposed to be just chattel and property of a man. He says they're sentient, they're smart. And he says they are our higher human. I mean, he had the courage to say because they have the maternal element, they have the nurturing heart. He spoke truth at a time when everybody labeled him as heretical. Of course, you know what I think about him. So I didn't go to Sadhguru Jagi Vasudev, Michael, but I went to another one of my Indian teachers because there's something about, Michael was reminding me of Sadhguru Jagi Vasudev, who was one of my teachers. He spoke here at the center and he's with the Isha Foundation and it's really Hinduism, but Hinduism, religious science has really applied Hinduism because in Hinduism, they recognize that all is the Brahman, which is the one life, and the Brahman breathes through the Atman, which is the oversoul, which is all the world oversoul. So Brahman and Atman are one. And Muji has a way of talking about what's holding us in a way that feeds David Leonard's soul. After years and years of spiritual practice, I've discovered that when I find that silent place within myself, that's where the knower lives. He's not, doesn't have a lot of thoughts. He doesn't have opinions and conclusions. Um, oh, there's this beautiful uh, movie that's nominated for best movie of the year. I was going to call you, Bob. It's called Tar. And it's about a uh, conductor. She's still alive on the planet. She was a New York Philharmonic. Then she went to <coughs> Berlin. And her whole mission as a conductor, as a woman conductor in a male world, was to honor the soul of the musician that wrote the music. And so when she would, they would play Mahler and they would say, oh, they're playing Mahler like it's a death march when he wrote it, when he was in love. So it's supposed to sound like a love expression, not a death march. So she said, if you fail to hear the soul of the musician. So everything's pointing us to this interconnectedness at the soul level. And Muji has a way of taking it for me in a, a beautiful place that I'll then lead us, Thomas, into our closing meditation talks about seven billion people on the planet and so few really understand who they are. And here's the little poem that he writes. He said, truth is what we are. Truth is what we are. Now, facts are the enemy of the truth. So if you're identifying with facts, you're stuck in the finite. But if you're identifying with truth, and the Greek word for truth is that which unhides itself. So he says, you are that invisible knowingness that unhides itself, and guess what he says? It is our essential nature and our being, with a capital B. It is the pure self, with a capital S. It is the illimitless one, the ultimate reality. It is awareness itself, and it is what we are. And he says, but we have become unaware of the magnificence of our true nature on account of our upbringing, our conditioning, our education, which point a very different picture of who we are and all of which we believe. So we've been programmed to think that we're a little Mormon girl, Miss Emily, until you wake up from the Mormon tradition and you say, huh, that doesn't feel right. I'm something greater. And he goes on to say with 7 billion people on the planet, most of us are living asleep. So Muji says it's about discovering that there is a deeper reality to which we see 
And that reality is always here. We must simply come to recognize it as our very own self. Our very own self. In order to do that, you have to arrive in the sacred moment and to know that the very thing you've been looking for, you've been looking with, and you've been looking at. It's all you. It's not separate. So he's trying to get us to that beautiful place. The way under the way is the silence within the chaos, is the peace within the confusion, is the light within the darkness, is the love within the fear. So it's not love or fear. In the fear, the love exists. In the lost place, the one who knows they're not lost exists. So here's a little more of Rumi, I mean of, of Muji. He said, it is about discovering that there is a deeper reality to what we see, and that reality is always here. It's right here. It's the truth of our being. And he says, this truth is what we are. It cannot be anything that comes and goes, for everything changeful arises from it and comes and goes within it. But truth is what we are, and truth is always here. It is our essential nature and our beingness. It is our pure self. It is the limitless one. And it is our discovery of our true nature as an inherent Stillness. Be still and know that I am God. Be still and know that I am. Be still and know that I am God. Be still and know. That's all we have to do is to be still. And then the knowing arises. And he goes on to say, those who discover that reality of their innermost being Enjoy a sense of peace, love, and wisdom as a natural perfume. We have a sign in our classroom that says, silence is your perfume. It's your natural perfume. They experience their essential nature as a true freedom. And here you are invited into a direct experience of that timeless reality through a method of self-inquiry, which forms the whole essence of his teaching. Who am I? Am I the reactionary self or am I that person observing in the balcony what's going on all around me and I can call upon divine love to assist me in assuming the consciousness of the one heart, the one life that is always available and I just have to ask. Ask and you shall find. Seek and the door will be open. Lastly, he says, what power is present here inside of us? And I love what this says. He says, the type of looking into truth of our nature and our being is what we in our tradition call satsang. And he says, all of life is a satsang. How you work in the garden is a satsang. How you are with your pets is a satsang. Satsang means sitting in truth. And so when you set your intention to do everything from that place, from that awareness, that it's all God, it's all good, it's all here for you, then every, every moment is sacred. Lastly, the guidance offered Working in our garden, playing with our children, once you have the eyes to see that in every moment of life, it is a satsang, it is truth moving through the many as the one. He says, then calling you home to your limitless being. And then his last little sentence was, welcome to satsang. So ter uh, Thomas, if you want to ring the mindfulness bell. Welcome to satsang, to sitting in truth, a truth that unhides itself from the core of our being, from the center 
of the suchness of life. There is an ancient saying that says, God is a presence whose center is everywhere and whose circumference is nowhere. And to know, to know yourself as that center, that still point, that breath within the breath. And then as that documentary said, everything that breathes is spirit. And you know, the trees actually breathe. They breathe through their leaves. We have a living environment that's all around us, that's sentient, that has feelings. And so in this sacred present moment, we open to our interconnectedness, our, as Thich Nhat Hanh would say, our interbeingness. And we breathe. And we know that the way under the way uh, is the Christ, the universal Christ. Jesus said, I am the way. I am the truth and I am the life. The I am is the way. The I am is the truth. And the I am is the life. And so we begin to know this universal Christ, not as something outside, even though we can see it in the world, but as deeply inner experience, as that very thing that is holding us in our hearts, in our minds, in the body of our experience. Uh, and then we smile because all that's asked of us is to go home, to go home to who we really are, to rest in that stillness, in that silence, in that peace. And then in the Sufi tradition in Llewellyn's book, Spiritual Ecology, he says the way we pray for the world is we take the suffering of the world and we put it in our heart. And then we offer our heart to the divine heart. And then we know that divine love is assisting us and the world in assuming the consciousness that's required for this humanitarian revolution in the realization that it is all our own self that we are nurturing. Uh, and then we listen to that voice that says, you are loved, that you matter, and that your life's purpose is to bring the love that you are, the awareness that you have discovered to the world so that you might serve the one and the many and the many and the one. We smile to this challenge, this opportunity, and this calling. Resting in that place, we feel comfortable Letting that be our reality. We know the call of the world is out there inviting us to step into the drama. But for this sacred moment, we are resting in that heart space where we find solace, we find compassion, we find the deepest acceptance of what is, and we feel the love that is holding us and the grace that is everywhere offering itself up to us. So if you're comfortable placing your hands on your heart, we're going to do the Nam Way Ut acknowledgement of that one life that we all share by saying, I honor you. I respect you. I love you. You are the call of the one life. 
ready to be recognized, ready to be celebrated, ready to be uplifted into a perception of wholeness, which is all healing. And so we open to the wholeness. And we feel the wholeness inherent within life. And we smile to it. Ah, we trust it. And anything unlike this that needs to fall away, we say, let it be. Fall, let, let it be. And we say, let God restore me to sanity by making all things new. We witness it. Huh. Every ending is a beginning. It's all a beginning. And so in that consciousness that this is the day the Lord has made, we put our hands together, we bow to the sacred moment, and we say, let it be. So it is. So observe who you are. Bring the beauty that you are to all that you do. And in that way, it's all satsang. Oh, satsang, Wednesday night, Jody and I, if you want to join us, we're doing it from six. And uh, there's a new class uh, this spring, and it's Ernest Holmes, this thing called you. I wanted to find Ernest Holmes, the mystic, and this little book is as close as I could come. And so it'll be a 10-week class starting on uh, the 22nd of March. And uh, it's a way to dive into that Thing that we're calling ourselves and to revisit it in a new fresh way thank you beloved Jody thank you Sylvia for the eggs there's still five dollars a dozen what a deal our podcast. For more information, please visit www.cslhuntsville.org.